Let me begin by saying that as you can see, we are filming outdoors because our sanctuary is being painted. So if there is background noise, like chainsaws or trucks going by on Dahlia Street, I hope you will uh, forgive us for this uh, very natural setting. I'm just gonna say um, also this out of the gate. If you aren't feeling a little low or a lot low, or tired in your bones, or anxious. If you aren't experiencing some of these feelings, then this sermon is not for you. You might wanna take a walk and save yourself about 20 or 12 minutes and return for the music. But if you or someone you know is having a hard time, I hope you find these words um, bring some comfort. Now what we've been undergoing the past seven months, individually and collectively, is trauma. And I might not need to tell you that. Trauma is defined by events that create psychological distress. And the COVID-19 pandemic alone has rained down enough trauma upon us for a lifetime. The number of global cases and deaths of the coronavirus is beyond comprehension. We've experienced a little over 1,000 deaths a day in the United States since February 29th. And these are numbers that sadly no longer embody real faces with names. They've become merely statistics in some way, statistics I follow in the news. We disconnect emotionally, not out of insensitivity to the suffering, but as a survival mechanism. Breakfast, lunches, and dinners still need to be made, of course. Children need baths. Math tables and spelling words need to be memorized. Schooling pods need to be negotiated. Work meetings are scheduled and billable hours don't evaporate. And in the backdrop of all this is the gnawing fear that the virus might actually come too close for home. The images of hospitals in Italy and Spain and New York City in those early days of the pandemic have been playing on a loop inside my head. The disturbing pictures of beds with ill patients lining the hallways of hospitals, hospitals that were low on rooms and ventilators and PPE. The term surge capacity has become a familiar expression. The goal in surge capacity is to be prepared with enough resources to manage a sudden influx of needs. This concept of surge capacity struck me as germane to symptoms that apply to our soul health. The soul of individuals as well as the soul of our society we are exhausted. Our souls might be at or just beyond surge capacity. It feels like we barely get a chance to take a breath before we're assaulted with another crisis. We are in the midst of many crises, racial, economic, environmental, health crises. A crisis in our democracy has us whatever side of the aisle we find ourselves, holding anxiety in our bodies. 
in the past few weeks alone, we've absorbed the news of the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and we've digested the expedited nomination of her replacement. Ten days ago, we received the long-awaited reports of the president's tax returns. One week ago, we watched the presidential debate debacle, only to end the week with the president, the first lady, and numerous top government leaders and White House staff testing positive for the virus. And it is clear that their indifferent attitudes and reckless behaviors toward the deadly disease contributed to this national crisis. Sympathetically, I think most of, us, most of us watched as the president entered the hospital to receive treatments. And three days later, we saw him emerge only to stand defiantly on the balcony of the White House, maskless and contagious, tweeting out the message that we don't have to let the virus dominate our lives, a virus that, as of today, October 16th, has taken the lives of over 200 and 11,000 of our citizens. There's another trauma relevant here, and it's called moral trauma. Moral trauma is experienced when a person, an individual, it, it, um, transgresses their own value system. And moral trauma can also be experienced on a collective scale. Dr. William Hastline, a psychologist at the University of Minnesota, described it this way for us, for our society. As U.S. citizens, he says, many of us were taught to trust and believe in our leaders. Now many feel as we're watching them let us down over and over again, and sometimes even on purpose. We feel powerless, which creates its own trauma. Now we need to take seriously this trauma and its impact on our well-being. We still have four unpredictable weeks ahead to what might be the most important election for our democracy. And now saying all that, for some of you, the national unrest this past week has been eclipsed by the crises in your own life, the death of a loved one, the test results that you've been waiting for, surgeries that you have to face, or mental health issues that have emerged. In one form or another, our soul's surge capacity has been severely tapped. Our familiar rituals and practices may not be working for us. People have confided in me that they are finding it difficult to pray and that they're restless and they've lost words it's hard to sit still. Some have confessed apologetically that their spiritual lives feel hollow. Now, that is, if that is resonant for you, I tell you, friends, you are not alone. Scripture describes soul fatigue. In the Psalms, the Book of Lamentations, the prophets, and Jesus himself all gave witness to the fact that human experience is the full spectrum of emotions. We creatures feel joy and sadness, pain and pleasure, wonder and weariness. And even in our darkest moments, God does not judge us. 
Soul exhaustion is not a moral failure. Weariness is not a sign of weakness. I see this pandemic especially wreaking havoc on the spirits of high achievers. Now, if you are used to getting things done, having a routine, solving problems, having your life in control, feelings of helplessness and hopelessness are not in your emotional catalog. About three months ago, I found myself feeling sort of numb getting up in the mornings and unusually irritable. I've never been prone to depression, so I wasn't familiar with these symptoms. It crept up on me. I didn't recognize its form. But I had an aha moment that allowed me to name that I was experiencing a mild depression. So then I could line up some simple practices. I tried to be gentle with myself Moving slowly when your soul weary is essential to survival. Exhaustion is the extraction of energy. So we need to find activities and people that restore energy. Because I couldn't find words of my own, I read prayers composed by other people. I took short walks. I started taking vitamin D. I stopped eating so much candy because I love gummy bears and red vines. I made intentional dates with friends who make me belly laugh because science shows, and I believe in science, laughter releases endorphins and endorphins dilute cortisol and adrenaline. The biblical writers so poetically describe soul exhaustion As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And it is the voice of Jesus who invites us, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We are invited to bow down, to lean down our heads and allow that gentle yoke of Jesus to be set upon our shoulders. It's a yoke that paradoxically eases our loads. On the cross, Jesus took upon himself the world's burdens. So to be bound to Christ is not oppressive. It actually means we don't have to bear our burdens alone. We don't have to wrench our way through the muck and mire of life without support. The thing is, God's surge capacity for us and for our needs will be never exhausted. God's capacity for steadfast love and mercy for us will never be depleted. Our theme for this sermon series is a time of wonder. You might ask, what does this have to do with wonder? Well, the wondrous truth is that even while we are weary, God does not grow weary. 
And even when the billows and waves threaten to reach surge capacity, we trust the words of the psalmist, hope in God, hope in God, our help and our God. Now the word survive means to live beyond. To survive is to keep living beyond and through what we are experiencing right now. So for now, we are weary. For now, we are tired. For now, we are worn. But we hope in a God, no matter what lies ahead, and I suspect there will be hard days, and I trust we will live beyond and through them. Thanks be to God, the one who gives us hope. Amen.